What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K, and with me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Christopher J. Pennant. Christopher, we're what we're recording this in the middle of the day on Monday. Are you still feeling that energy from the opening weekend of the WNBA? I'm still coasting on it. Didn't even have coffee this morning. I felt so awake. Uh, man, we had that playback on Friday night. Uh, me, you, and Stephen Garner. Thank you to, to everybody who stopped in the room or joined us at any time. That was awesome to do that for the first time. And this Sky team, I don't think they're 11th in the uh, in the league. I don't think they're 10th <laughs> in the league. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. But a 2-0 and weekend to start the year, solid. Very, very solid. I had a good sports week last week anyway because my soccer team made probably one of the most incredible comebacks of all time, legitimately. And I'm still just riding on the high of that. So can't tell me anything today. Hey, I hear that, man. Nothing like when your sports teams are doing well. So you know what, Skytown, your your sports team did pretty well this past weekend, too. I mean, the Sky kind of made a statement in the opening weekend of the 2023 WNBA regular season, just where they opened up 2-0 on the road. They took care of business against Minnesota 77-66 in the season opener before hanging on to an early lead against Phoenix, just finishing the afternoon 75-69 in that win. Courtney Williams really delivered down the stretch in that last one where, and and Dana Evans as well, while the sky just had a real complete effort against Minnesota. It was really interesting to see how the offense and defense were working so early on in the year. So today we're going to go over our takeaways for the Sky's first two games. And Chris, let's just dive right into it, man. What was your first takeaway just looking at where this Sky team is at? And yeah, I'm just curious about where your general feelings are about where this team is at two games in. Uh, when we talked in the preseason and over the winter, I know you were very excited that they got Elizabeth Williams and I wasn't cautious about it because I know that she's a veteran. I saw the impact that she had for Atlanta, but not having a chance to watch those dream games in the past. I didn't understand what kind of rebounder she was. And I understand how fans are going to feel about that. It's like, yeah, you don't watch the game. Yeah, man, I was working jobs and I was doing all this and that. And I didn't necessarily have time to watch all the other games. Like I know a lot of our erstwhile colleagues do, and I don't, fault you for thinking that that's on me because a player who's been in the league that long you should know what their calling card is so I apologize for that I didn't realize not just what kind of rebounder she was but what kind of offensive rebounder she was I think in in this era of stats we look at you know six seven eight rebounds as quality but I've always wanted a specific stat that talks about getting rebounds in traffic, getting rebounds under duress, like really chasing those long rebounds down. And that's what her, it's not a talent. It's, it's hard work. Defense is hard work. Rebounding is hard work because you have to get up. You have to fight with people. There's a professional league. The lane is, a, is an alligator pit. And we saw that on, on Sunday with two of the, the best pivots in the game defensively Brianna Turner and Brittany Griner both got 10 rebounds apiece. Elizabeth Williams had to really scrap down low. But the way that she is not only able to get to those balls, bring them down, and honestly, 
I've seen Alana Smith and Morgan Birch be able to get sim- make similar plays too. They're able to get those and snatch them and, and control the ball. So you don't have a lot of 50-50 balls. But Elizabeth Williams has this uncanny ability to create her own shot underneath in traffic where you put the ball up on the glass, you know it's not going in, but you're giving yourself a better angle for a second shot. And also you are causing the defensive players to expend more energy and make a second effort to stop you. So if she doesn't necessarily get the shot to drop, other players can either crash and get those easy plays or she can get a foul call if she doesn't get the second shot to drop. That, I think, is something that the Sky are going to be able to utilize as the season goes on because every game you play, you're losing something out of your tank. And this is something that she's been doing for year after year after year. So as it gets harder when you get older, but it's not like she's not used to going all out on this kind of effort on the offensive glass. So she's going to get extra touches just for her ability to create offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities, third chance opportunities for the sky. And that is in not indelible. That's not the word. It's invaluable. Sorry. It's an invaluable quality for this team that, there's a few other teams that'll have it, but not all. I said at the top of the season that I think Elizabeth Williams is this this team's X factor and feel pretty good about that after two games as well, man, for the reasons that you just outlined. It's the stocks that she's already started to accumulate. It's the activity down low that, again, like the Sky are just going to need that with Isabel Harrison being out for an extended amount of time. And... Even offensively, like you said, she's hit a couple of tough, (laughs) like whether it's facing up or like with her back to the basket, a couple of floaters that are just tough to make in this league. And she's really answered the bell, man. She's someone that is, I think, already going to be pushing for defensive player of the year this year. Like I thought that was a kind of a bolder take at the top of the season, like when we had our season preview and just thinking about it more, watching her already when she goes up against some of the best bigs in the league. Look, there's no such thing as a Brittany Griner stopper, all right? There's just not. She's 6'9". <laughs> Williams is like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and she still made life difficult for Brittany Griner yesterday. I know Brittany had went 27 points, had a great game, but Elizabeth Williams is going to make things difficult for you. And she was still able, after she picked up, I think it was either her fourth or fifth foul, she was the sky left her on the floor and they had trust in her because of the patience she provides protecting the rim. So I'm with you, man. Elizabeth Williams stuck out, stuck out to me during this road trip and she's someone that they're definitely going to be leaning on heavily. I don't know like how much you follow the sky social media, but they do this thing at the end of each game where they award this WWE belt for the player who has the most deflections during a game. And this is something they've done last year as well. But Elizabeth Williams, when they talk about like, no one else is going to win. You know, I saw that. You know what I mean? Like no one's going to win it this year. <laughs> Honestly, unless it's a freaking blowout. Yeah. I I can definitely see how that uh, Elizabeth's going to run away with that one if, at the end of every game. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Um, what was your other takeaway from this past weekend? Uh, Dana Evans' composure and poise uh, on both ends of the floor. We, we talked a lot about Dana 
um, in the past. And I know that we we kind of came down on like the one deficient aspect of her game would just be how is she going to deal with taller guards? And we talked on our last show about you spoke with Dana, you spoke with James Wade about how she needed to just put on more size, put on more strength, more mass, really. You know, it's about being stronger, especially when you are attacking defensively, on-ball defense, the point of attack defender. Uh, and we've seen that in the past with uh, Rebecca Gardner. We've seen that with Diamond DeShields on, was on the team. And she had the, those players had the ability to really just disrupt the team's offense in the half court because of the ball pressure that they could uh, put on and just focus. And in two games, we've seen Dana be able to do that. Steve and Suge Sutton were going back and forth on Sunday, and it was incredible. And I bring that up specifically because not just of what, not just because of what Dana did on Friday in Minnesota. That was fantastic. Uh, the total defensive effort, but she put in pressure on the ball on the wing and at the top of the floor that led to that second quarter that Minnesota would, would love to forget. <laughs> but on Sunday, she was pressuring the ball handler up top, whether she was guarding Suge or Mariah Jefferson. And then Suge was, was coming up the floor and really harassing Dana, just harrying her on, on everything. And she never looked rushed. She never looked like she lost composure. I know that's going to come with time in the league, which she's had, and time overseas, which she's now had. She pretty much got the keys of Bashikdas and said, hey, you, you are going to be our offensive focus. You run, the, you run the show. But it's still very, very good to see for this guy and for Dana, who's going to get a lot more time this year. She was able to play under control, find the outlet, find the open player, and in a game where you have Breezy and Brittany guarding the middle, she was able to get to spots on the floor and release her shot, whether it was a floater or whether it was a mid-range jump shot. And she's still shooting the three with confidence. She didn't have a great shooting night on Friday. She had a much better shooting day on Sunday. And she made a lot of shots when the game got close late as she did when the game was kind of open early. You're going to see Dana Evans this year. And, I, you know, I can't say that she has the, I can't say that she has the chance to be an all-star. That's kind of an out, outside shot right now. But she is going to be in there for most improved players. She was my pick at the top of this year to be most improved player this year. I mean, man, Dana is someone who is so hard-nosed and has this work ethic that it's so funny. There was someone that um, I, po I posted this clip on Twitter yesterday just about how the box score is so deceiving when you look at how David, Dana Evans defends and her impact on the sky, and that, especially in that first game against Minnesota where I think she went like one for seven didn't have her best offensive game, but my God, if you just looked at the actual game itself live, you would think that she was one of the most important players on this on the team. And there's this one person who tweeted about something that again we both talked about on this show from last year, just about how against Connecticut it just wasn't a good series to have uh, Dana in the lineup as much, just because going against taller players and someone at her size. It was just going to be difficult. Um, and it's just so funny because like we, we've both been talking about this for months now. Dana got stronger. We saw what she's been able to do overseas. And when she came into camp, it was like the first thing I asked her, I was like, have you just been in the weight room the entire time? 
And she's like, everyone's been telling me that. And you can see how much improvement she's had on that end of the floor just because teams can't target her in the same way that they were over the last two years. Like, just think about 2021. Lexi Brown was on that team and got playing time because Dana was more of a scoring guard who can be a microwave for you. But when teams like, like again, I think about the Aces who like kind of went after Dana a little bit in the 2021 and the sky went to Lexi Brown. If 2021 Dana Evans was replaced by 2023 Dana Evans, that wouldn't be the case because Dana Evans, we've already seen early on and in training camp, which I know, you know, the person that who tweeted that out, obviously, I mean, I know that they weren't at training camp, so and don't follow my coverage, but like I get why they would just hang on to something from months ago. Um, like we've seen an improvement from Dana, like she's strong and we've saw it multiple times against Minnesota where whether she's pressuring the offense full court, 94 feet, which very few players in this league are doing um, or whether it's like Nafisa, there was one moment where Nafisa Collier got the switch on to Dana late in the shot clock. And instead of like driving to the rim, because Dana is just such a brilliant person when it comes to defensive angles um, and not giving anyone a clear driving lane instead of like trying to go after Dana and trying to muscle her way through to the rim. Defisa threw it immediately back to the guard that had been switched onto the big and it ended up being a turnover or a missed shot. One of those two. I mean, Dana has really stepped up this year and her defensive impact is so significant. And even James Wade talked about it after game one when I asked him about it. So Chris, it's for real. Dana Evans has taken this leap and I don't think it's something that it's just a flash in the pan type of thing. Like Dana is once these shots start to fall and people who were infatuated with the raw stats start to pick up on it and what she's doing on the other end of the floor, man, it's just going to be exciting to see how that most improved player case continues to build itself. Yeah, I want to talk about that because I it's interesting. I remember when we when we talked about that last year and I and I miss I misspoke a bit. Like I was I feel like I was very confident at the time about Dana's possible, you know, her ability to progress. And I you know, I I do remember you talking about how Dana not I was going to really throw me under the bus for something we I do remember you too. You said Dana was too short. You said she's not, not. I can't do that. No, that's the um, CHO co-host thing. Talk. That's I'm trying the, to. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to drive down yourself away for a rival show. Yeah, I'm distancing myself from from this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it comes with experience, but it also comes with that work work ethic, worth ethic, and and having pride in your defense. Defense is just something that really takes pride because it's difficult. I tell people on on the roller derby team that coach, which I know everybody who's listening. If you haven't heard me bring that up enough, just go to a game so I can stop listening, so I can stop talking about it. If I see you at the game, I will talk about it less. But the reward of defense is getting to play more defense. The reward of scoring is you run back, you smile, everybody's cheering for you. The reward of defense, a great block, everybody's like, oh, but then you, you probably still have to play more defense. So the reward of playing defense is just more work. And you have to have pride in being able to say, yes, I want to put in massive, massive amounts of work 
just expend so much energy and be willing to do that over and over and over and over and over and over ad nauseum like we talk about. And that's what we've seen from Dana. And that clip you put up, Ka said in the post-game presser, you, that she, that she, Dana, doesn't necessarily understand how much that means for the team because the fact that she is the point guard, she is probably that first point of defense before it. We, you, I was going to say when the ball crosses half court, but the sky to succeed have to limit the shot clock opportunities for other teams so that she has to pick up the ball 80 feet away. They're not pressing every single time, but they are putting in a softer, hard press a majority of the game. And a lot of that stems from Dana Evans. You're 100% correct, man. And <laughs> it's so funny, like, again, going just back to the people that were like, see, she was doing this the entire time. It's like, that's actually so disingenuous to the hard work that you just talked about that she's put in, you know? So I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not surprised by this by any means, just because again, she's put in that work and the sky are going to feed off that energy throughout the entire season. Not, not even just from Dana, but from Kalia Copper, who I've been so impressed with her leadership throughout camp and just to see how much she has been able to learn from Candace Parker and Candace's vocal leadership style that we're already seeing on the court with Ka. And same thing with Courtney Williams. I mean, the sky almost lost that game yesterday. And I know that Courtney Williams, if she was not playing yesterday, the sky probably don't win that game. And her poise is something that has really impressed me as well. Like this entire group from, Again, Dana to Morgan Birch to Ka to Courtney Williams, they're all just so composed and they believe in what's happening right now, Chris. You can tell when it, with that defensive activity, the way that everyone's really working for each other, working with each other, that everyone just believes in what they're doing right now. And honestly, that's a huge testament to what James Wade has been able to do in such a short period of time with this current group. So, yeah, do you want to move on to the next takeaway? Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. I, I will say that it's 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 easier to believe at the beginning of the season. Yeah, you know, everybody has a shot. Everybody has a shot at the beginning of the year. We know the teams that are going to be outside shots to make the playoffs, but any team with veterans and the experience, it's it's easy early on to say, okay, we can do this. You know, like we have a shot to get there and win the championship. What I want to see is if this can hold up going, you know, how long they can put this effort in night in, night out, because it's a long season. But I definitely do want to hear now what you have seen from these first two games that has you feeling positive about the team. Yeah, and actually just to build off that one part too, I think it's totally fair to, to want to see more from like more than just two games, just from 80 minutes. I mean, we're talking about a Minnesota team who, when I talked to Cheryl Reed and Reeve in Toronto, she said that this team is going to be building towards the future. And doesn't mean they're not going to be competitive, but their eye is on the future. I think they kind of understand where they're at. And same thing with Phoenix, where, man, I mean, that wasn't a team outside of Brittany Griner and Shug Sutton that looked like a playoff team. I mean, any, I, I had my reservations about Phoenix heading into this season. And I mean, Sophie Cunningham, who, who was injured for the first game and 
just didn't look like the same player in that second game. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, obviously you want to see how they do against Washington and just, I mean, again, even three games won't be enough to understand where this team is at, but in terms of the takeaway, just kind of building off of that, I do think Chicago has a chance to be like a top two defense in this league. Potentially when you look at the last two games, they've allowed 44 field goals and forced 40 turnovers. That is an insane ratio when you're only allowing 44 field goals compared to 40 turnovers that you create on the other end. There is something to be said about the blueprint that this guy have been talking about, which is we're going to be a hard nosed defensive team and we're going to score points in transition and make life difficult and just outrun their opponents. Again, it's a huge testament to James Wade for them to talk about that blueprint and then execute it immediately in the first two games. That is something that I was just so impressed with, with this team and the perimeter defense, whether it's Rebecca Gardner, Dana Evans, you can see how suffocating this team is going to be no matter who they're playing. And Washington is going to be a fascinating test with them when they go up against another team that also hangs their head on defense. But Chicago has a chance to be a top two, top three defense in this league. And a lot of that has to do with Elizabeth Williams being able to give the perimeter players in front of her a chance to be active, a chance to take risks. And she is going to be a stock generator throughout this entire season. So that was one of my takeaways that Chicago has a chance to be like the best defense or a top three defense. You think that's a little hasty after two games? especially considering the two opponents that they played, or do you also kind of could see the pathway to that? No, because they played it a bit differently Sunday than they did Friday. So it's not just a singular idea of we are going to play this way and damn the consequences, because that's going to get you a lot of losses in a league like this. They have still been able to pressure the ball. They're still attacking, but they pretty much conceded the fact that they were going to have to double Brittany Grider in the post with the post players that they have. And they lived with the consequences, but they rotated fairly well when they had to scramble. They, you know, I, I want to walk that back. They weren't necessarily scrambling. They rotated fairly well uh, defensively when they had to double the post. And it wasn't like they were playing just a straight uh, triangle and two. They were bringing help from the weak side, but in a way that other post players who aren't the level of passers and don't have the level of continuity that Brittany Griner has with Phoenix would dis- would disrupt them, would dismay them. And I really like to see that. Uh, I thought they played defense under control. I know you mentioned the fouls earlier, but I, I mean, Rebecca Gardner getting three fouls in the first quarter <laughs> is iffy, to say the least, right? You will probably not see that happen again. And if you do, then James Wade is going to get his first tech of the season much more quickly than he has. Uh, <laughs> Man, so I, that third foul was ridiculous. She that played. Was, there was nothing there, you know? And and the, to the credit of the to this credit of the referees, there were a few fouls on Phoenix that were also not there. Brittany Grider picked up a foul that had body contact. But it was, it wasn't there. I think there was a foul on Breezy Turner that I saw in the in the first half. I was like, eh, that doesn't really seem like a foul. So I don't know if they're just calling it close because that was their crew, or if we're you know in for the same standard of refereeing that we've seen in the past. But I do think that this this team has the chance to be a top three defensive team just based on the way that they're playing, 
the way that, you, like you said, they've committed to that being their identity, which I thought in the preseason was going to have to be their hallmark in order to be successful. Okay. And they have just taken that mantle on from jump. Yeah, and just to go back to the fouls, because I think we talked about that offline. I do think, though, that that's probably going to be the thing that they do need to clean up early on. I mean, I think they're averaging close to like 21 fouls per game. And again, some of that is going to be you're going up against a really physical center in Brittany Griner. And there's just going to be nights when you face the Asia Wilsons, the Brittany Griners, the Candace Parkers of the world. I don't know. Like when you go up against those players, even like Shakira Austin, like she's someone who has played super physically against Connecticut yesterday. Mm-hmm. You're going to get, there's just going to be times where you're going to rack up some fouls. And if that's what you're going to do in order to protect the paint, I'd rather give up two shots at the line than an easy two on the defensive end. You know, I, again, I just trust Elizabeth Williams from a patient standpoint. It's, you know, I, obviously like, I don't want to just be crazy and like compare everyone to Candace Parker, but Candace Parker's patience as a rim protector is something that stood out to me in her two years in Chicago. And Elizabeth Williams, like it, it's kind of reminiscent to that in my mind a little bit, but two different types of defenders, but Elizabeth Williams, watch out for that DPOY case. If the sky end up in the top three in defense, because she will be one of the main reasons why they end up in that spot if they do. But I do think they do have to cut down the the fouls a little bit. You just don't want to foul yourself out of a game. But again, that's I, we're talking about the first two games of the season. That's just something to put a pin in more than it is to, to for it to be an actual concern. I think my other takeaway... Oh, yeah, go for it. Man. No, no, I was going to agree with you. Go for it. I guess the other thing that I just want to say, though, is for my other takeaway here is that this team's resiliency already early on, even when Minnesota was pushing back late after this guy had built a lead, like the offense had really slowed down the fourth quarter when after they had like an 18-3 run at one point that put them up and Minnesota started to chip away at the lead, not not in a way where you thought Minnesota was actually going to win that game. But yesterday, all I could think about after the buzzer sounded was, I actually think last year that Phoenix game is one that this guy I think might have lost. You know, like they even as great of a team as that was from a talent perspective. And obviously they went 26 and 10 for a reason, obviously, but that team struggled in clutch games, which we saw at the end of the semifinals. We saw almost in New York during the playoffs. I mean, we've seen this, that team collapse in the big moments sometimes. And I thought it was a real testament to the team's culture and staying level-headed having Courtney Williams, her leadership on the floor, just had such a brilliant game facilitating the real, the resiliency early on. And again, it's just, you know, one and a half games. If you wanted to really talk about from a resilience, resiliency standpoint, it stood out to me. And I think if this team is going to be, again, we see them being like a top four, top five team as their ceiling. Like if that's what they're, if that's what they're going to be they have to win these type of games like they did in 2019 when they were also one of those teams like that could push to the top four. And I think ended up being like the fifth or sixth seed that year. That team won a lot of clutch games and played in a lot of them. And the sky already 
I think there's going to be a lot of close games because, again, the, the league is just so deep. But I was really impressed with how they remained composed and played like a team that had been playing together for a little while now in those clutch moments. There's still things to clean up, obviously, but that stood out to me at the end of that game. Yeah. Um, I talked to you offline. I didn't get a chance to watch the game just because I was working the entire game. So I'd seen the, I saw the first half, but I think just from what I saw in that first half, and I'm going to watch the end of the game after we come off of here. Like I said, there were players who were able and willing to get shots up. And even when they were pressed on the, in the half court, they were able to find people. Um, there was a play where there was, not broken necessarily, but players were in the right spot and it ended with an Alana Smith uh, mid-range jump shot from the from the baseline. And you know, this is Alana Smith who had like a cup of coffee in the league pretty much. And she's getting meaningful minutes with this team and is able and willing to put those shots, put those put those type of shots up. Morgan Birch. Man, Morgan Birch, just the way that she is confident and operating on cuts and in space in the low post. Uh, there, there was a play early on where she cut to a spot, spun away from her defender, and got up a tough layup. Very tough layup, but she put that up easy, you know? This is a player coming out of UC Davis, Big West Conference. Not a top name who has – this is her first year in the league. She's 26. That kind of continuity, uh, and no it comes from training camp. She was able to be in training camp. And I still want to see how Marina Mabry comes off his ankle injury, how her integration goes with the team. But those are players that we were wondering about before training camp started. Morgan Birch, Alana Smith. You know, why, is this, why is Alana Smith getting this guarantee so early that she's going to make this roster? And we're seeing it now. We're seeing the fruits of those labors but the confidence as well that the coaching staff has put in. And I do want to say something. I love seeing Omer Year 7 up all the time, so constantly on the sideline, just talking to the team, talking to the team, talking to the team. The way that the broadcast camera is in Phoenix, you can't necessarily see the scores table when they're at one end or the other. And so I was wondering for a minute, I was like, is James away? Is he out for this game? Is Omer taking over head coaching duties? Because all I saw was him. And then I was, and then they cut back, and I was like, "Okay, James is there." But Omer very clearly has the responsibility for this team, um, if not totally. But I think at the deep, at the offensive end of the floor, and I think defensively too. Like he's letting people know, it's like, "What's your assignments? What are your rotations? What are your options on these plays?" That kind of confidence. And um, the other thing that is, is underrated, and Waters stuck with this team. We were wondering about that too. Um, if Emma was if if Emma wasn't going to come back, is Ann Waters going to come back because she was such a big part in bringing Emma to this team, and she's still with the team. I think that speaks a lot to team continuity as well. Hundred percent, man. And even having Emery Vatan Sever back, someone who you know has had success overseas. I mean, he had a, like a little bit of a stint in Turkey, or he went like eleven and three over there. I mean, that guy is a really mm-hmm. smart guy, and. I just I'm so impressed with James Wade early on, even in the press game, like in the excuse me, even in the post game presser where James easily could have gone up there and just ripped everyone in the room apart for having the sky so low. And again, you and I, we didn't have the sky that low. We just be 
I mean, we didn't do power rankings because we're smarter than that, but smart. Uh, <laughs> but just the way that the, the both times in Minnesota and in Phoenix, when the camera was on, focused in on them, they all were just so composed, like they had done it before, and that it's like that belief they have in all in each other. Like that's not just with James; that's just like the other coaches that are on this staff as well. And man, I guess we went, we've gone this long without even talking about Marina Mabry and Isabel Harrison, two of the projected starters heading into the season, both not available. And at least for the last game, and then Marina played li- like limited minutes in Minnesota. The, the team's offense hasn't even been as good as it can be. They still put up 75, 77 points in each of those respective games, but I mean, they only went to the free throw line six times in the first game, and they I think they got there much more frequently. Was, this uh, 19, 19 in the second game, yeah. That's a good mark to be at. You probably would like it to be higher, but I do think, like, with Kalia Copper, like, she isn't getting the superstar calls that she probably deserves at this point, especially in that Minnesota game. It was crazy to see how many times she was hacked getting to the rim and... You just don't want to reward that when the offensive player gets to their spot, does what everything they need to do, and then gets hacked with no call. The upside of this offense, too, like the secondary playmaking from Morgan Birch has been really impressive. I thought that was something that would fall off for the sky a little bit from their bigs, considering you have two elite playmakers and have a Misa and Candace Parker passing from the top of the arc and finding open cutters. Morgan Birch, is, we've seen these flashes of what she's doing, whether it's the hockey assist or just creating opportunities out of like empty corner PNRs. Like, so there's one play that she, I've just been, you know what? I'm not even just to go in completely in a rabbit hole here. I've just been really impressed with her and even Elizabeth Williams as well. And finding their open teammates in these moments. So watch out for the sky, man, watch out for the sky. Like, again, we need to see more than 80 minutes of film and everything, but just rewatching both of these games and, just seeing like the cohesion they have early on. I mean, we're to, the cohesion to me sticks out more when it comes to evaluating WNBA teams this early on than almost anything else. I mean, look at the Liberty, you know, people were already re- ready to write them off after one game and they go in, you know, their, their home opener and just destroy the fever. I mean, they're working things out, but like the flashes of being a cohesive unit are all there. And I feel that way about this guy, especially. Yeah, man. Um, I, I wonder how that's going to, that integration is going to, is going to work. It'll be some time for Izzy Harrison and knee injuries always bother me with post players because you don't have a time. You don't have time during the season to get fully healthy in the postseason, or sorry, in the off season, you can work out, you can rehab without necessarily worrying about playing basketball to some degree, because we're talking about women's pro ball. But during the season, she's pretty much having to get ready on the run and with still having you know, that time in, she's had some time in, in preseason, yes, but limited still. And it's tough on you. Just, these are tough on you when you play the post. You've got to run basket to basket. You have to set screens. And there's all those knocks that don't get talked about or don't get put on the injury report that you just have to play through contusions and bruises and slight strains and sprains. 
And I'm not saying that Izzy's going to be a non-factor, but I, it's going to limit her to what we would expect. So I think it's going to be interesting for the team how she comes back in. I, I, and I'm not saying it's going to make her, again, I, I want to be clear, it's not going to be a non-factor, but we're not going to get that full-scale Isabel Harrison that we were looking forward to, I think, unfortunately, just because of that, because she's going to have to return from something that's keeping her out for a month plus. I'm not ready to say that personally. I do think that just, just where modern medicine is now and how athletes are able to recover so quickly in a way that they just weren't 30 years ago, even 15 years ago. I, I think that Isabel Harrison can come back looking like the player she was I understand why you would be skeptical of that. You know, we, I just I'm in the in the group. I just want to see what it looks like on the at practice and on the floor before saying like she's not going to be that player. And especially, man, her shooting in the preseason, like her jump shots, something that like her jump shot kind of fell off a little bit statistically over the last couple of years in Dallas, and that honestly could be attributed a little bit to not being able to get into a rhythm when you don't have consistent tick. Her jump shot looked really nice in the preseason. And if the Sky are able to even get a little bit more stretchability too, and honestly, that, that that didn't really stick out to me as being a problem watching these last two games, especially. They were still able to generate space. Um, there's multiple ways to generate space without shooting. I'm not thinking about like a, a hobbled Isabel Harrison. I think that she has a chance to really help this team out. And what you have the insurance of having a Morgan Birch or and Alana Smith coming off the bench. I mean, Alana, she's when she's had her shot opportunities, she's made them. She's had a couple of blocks too. I mean, there's a couple of those fouls too. I mean, the whole team, like the, some of those fouls against Phoenix are just like, come on, let them play. Um, and same thing at Phoenix's end. But I'm uh, I'm intrigued by what Isabel Harrison's going to add to this team because I don't, I don't think she's going to detract from it. But hey, I I'm open to hearing any argument too about like, what she could look like later on this season. No, yeah. I, I don't think she's going to detract from the team at all. I just don't think that she's going to be like the 100% Isabel Harrison that, that we wanted and, and were really expecting just because of that. It's not her fault. I just think a knee injury just has, it just limits you because yeah. of the fact that it's a knee injury. It's the circumstance. Yeah. So if it's 95%, it's 95%, but it's not 100%. The one thing that I've been worried, I've been thinking about is um, with with the minutes we're seeing from Christine Attaway, would you have kept her over Annalie Maley or no? Because yes. we saw what Annalie Maley did, and I think that she lends herself to this team's defensive identity. So, yeah. So, why do you keep um, Christine Attaway over Annalie Maley? When the sky started to rack up those fouls, in that Phoenix game, and especially in the second half, they had to keep Elizabeth Williams on the floor or else, I mean, I do, again, that would have just been a really tough way to continue on without having her on the floor. Man, they were lucky to just have another bigger body in Christina Nigue to be able to absorb some of those minutes of just being able to bang with Brittany Griner. And Annalie Maley is just not going to be able to provide you that size, that in this situation where the front court depth is limited right now. And man, even Morgan Birch, who was fine by the way, but just even to see her have like, she turned her ankle once 
and like was hobbled for like 30 seconds i'm like oh my god like if this the front court depth becomes even more limited i mean that's when you maybe start to think about giving charlie collier a call and having her be the next like a uh you know 10-day contract that you bring in um and apparently charlie collier has looked good in in training camp and overseas um which is why i bring it up but yeah i, th- I think that's why the sky kept christine and igwe because that the limited size that they have in the front court early on i get why and again annalee maley fans i know that it's hard to see her get cut twice and she you know, she also is someone that kept up with the sky throughout the season after she was cut last year. Um, she told me that like the first or second week of training camp. So hard to see someone like that who's so bought into the culture no longer be on the team. But you definitely need a big like Christina Nigue when there's just not a lot behind Elizabeth Williams, Alana Smith and Morgan Birch at this point. I feel that. I still... Just having seen that, the motor that she had with the team, it so much lends itself to this team's identity that I think you could, there's a way to integrate it and make them successful even with a lack of size. But I can't argue against you. Um, the one thing that's missing from the team before we, before we get to start you know, closing out the show, yeah. I've seen a couple of post-entry passes from the wing that, you know, again, you're talking about going from Candace Parker and Emma Meeseman uh, to where the team is now, and you're going to lose that ability to just pass down to the post, especially when teams are pressing you out towards the wing where you're just trapped between the arc and the, and the sideline. But that's something that they have to be able to clean up because if you can generate those easy touches, especially because these players are great at cutting. These players are great at cutting to the open, to the open spots down by the rim. You just have to connect with them. You have to be able to make that last pass. And there's a couple times where it's either gone awry or just been at the about the wrong spot for them to be able to make the play immediately. And that's something that separates the upper echelon teams. That's what we saw New York do so many times on uh, on their in their game against Indiana. Again, this is New York. You have players of that caliber who can make those plays from just about anywhere. But that's something this team is going to have to try and find, you know, really cut those mistakes down because those are errors that might not go on the box score as anything. Like you might get a stop at the other end, but you're losing out on an opportunity to generate points. And that's something that I want to see the team just really get some more connectivity on. Hopefully that's something that also helps having Marina Mabry back in the lineup as well. That's my last thought, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. No, I totally agree with that. And again, we're two games into the season. We're two games into the season. There's only so much that you're going to be able to take from the first 80 minutes of a 40 game marathon. But I just want to point out because again, a lot of people have been scoffing at the idea that the sky have been a top five that could be a top five team in the WNBA this season. I just just looking around the rest of the league, I just don't understand how someone could have a steadfast take being like the sky are planted at the bottom of the standings this year. And I don't want to hear an argument. So I'm just curious to see how especially this game against Washington goes. That's going to be a good test for them Um, and not necessarily going to change my mind, quite honestly, about how the sky rank amongst the best teams in the league, just because what they look like in May is going to look much different 
than August and September and everything. But Skytown, I think you have a good reason to feel optimistic at this point because when you go undefeated in the opening weekend on the road, I think that is something to celebrate a little bit. But Chris, so glad we got a chance to do this, man. I know you got an episode coming out tomorrow for CHGO, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, man, we're going to have the, the the man, Stephen Garner, back on along with a surprise guest. You know what? Fuck the surprise. Katie Duffy's coming on the show. Really excited to have her on as well. And um, it, it's going to be great. It's going to be a fun season of CHGO. We're going to have this rotating series of guests in all season long. We might have a surprise guest that you all know and love at some point later in the summer. Uh, hey, one last fuck thing. this promotion. Oh, go for it, go for it. No, no, fuck this promotion of the other podcast. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, gave you, I threw you one lob, and now you're trying to dunk it down multiple times. I'm just fucking I can't it. dunk in real life. I need to get those in where I can. Somebody asked me, somebody was like, you got to dunk that, Mick. Uh, you got to dunk that big man on the court on Saturday. And I laughed in his face. He didn't know how old I was. So. <laughs> it's so funny, though, how many people are like, what's going to happen to the skyhook now? Because of uh, now that CHGO, I, I just got to give you shit because I want to just make sure people realize I'm so happy for this. And uh, hey, gr- man, anytime you get a chance to listen to Steven Garner, you got to do it. So make sure to like rate and review the CHGO podcast along with this one. Let's just go right into the business, Chris. Um, if you guys could take a few seconds to rate, interview and subscribe to our show, we would really appreciate it. And if you want to contact us. You can always do so by emailing the Skyhook Mailbag, which is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on social media, you can check out our link tree, which is in the episode description of this episode, along with our Venmo if you want to make a financial contribution to the show. We appreciate you joining us on this. I guess we'll be Monday night for you all. And we'll see you all around and uh, we'll be back later this week.